we finally um, printed off the flight times for um, the team that is going to Uganda in the summer. And right there from Addis Ababa, which has taken me about eight months to say, um, Leslie Addis, Addis Abba, as in the band, bah, that's how I've been remembering it, Addis Ababa. The flight from Addis Ababa there was able to smoothly say at that time, into Entebbe, the flight time, you've guessed it, 10, 10. It's everywhere. How many times do I look at my watch or the computer and there are those, that number twice, 10, 10. These are my numbers. If you're a visitor among us, it is indeed 1010, my birthday, and in fact, the leader of worship this morning's birthday, 1010. But of course, it means so much more than that. It is John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When we arrive in Onelaku this summer, I guarantee you that before I get out of the bus, the children of that primary school will be shouting 10 10. And probably Yaya as well, because Yaya is my African name, which is what they call me. 10 10. It's in Fitzroy hoodies, it's on our mission plan, it is everywhere. And it's today's lectionary. Now, Paul was ahead of me because Paul has to be ahead of me because he gets all the children's addresses sorted out and sends the lectionary reading for weeks in advance. So it's about five weeks ago when he told me this was coming and I've been excited about it, obviously, ever since. But let's get it in the text. In the the text of where we are in John 10, the context of where it's said in John 10, and then let's look at it in the context of where we are in Fitzroy in 2017. I mentioned earlier, it is Good Shepherd Sunday, if you take the church across the world and what it remembers. I know us Presbyterians try to avoid all those seasons of the church and lectionaries, etc., etc., at least the ones in Northern Ireland, but uh, it's a good thing. Good Shepherd Sunday. It's a particularly good thing because if we continue with the lectionary, I might get John 10.10 at least once a year as we do it. I won't, but uh, the shepherd will be in there, of course. And the the verses that Kim read for us earlier through the children's talk, it's important to get the context of those. There's some really interesting stuff happens straight after John 10 and 10, but there's a whole chapter that happens before John chapter 1, or John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10, that's really vital to this. It's one of those other times when the demarcation of the passages of Scripture don't really work that well for us. If we look at John's Gospel, there are eight signs of the kingdom in John's Gospel. I'm not going to go into them changing water into wine, healing an official son, healing a disabled man at the pool, feeding 5,000, walking in water. Healing the man born blind, which is chapter 9, just before the chapter that uh, Kim read from us. Then raising Lazarus from the dead and the resurrection itself. And on many of those occasions, if you look through them, why not do it for the afternoon? In many of those occasions, occasions of the, the eight main signs in John, you'll find a kind of a, a, a model, a template. The sign, 
then a discourse about the sign, which there's a lot of in John chapter 9. And uh, Sorry, a dialogue about it, and then Jesus' discourse on it. So we have the sign, we have a lot of dialogue going on about who did that, and he can't be healed because it was, what? Who, who are you? You couldn't be the person that you said you were. All John 9 that we looked at a few weeks ago. There's the dialogue. And John chapter 10 is, in essence, the discourse after that. So all of this has happened, and then Jesus is trying to make some sense of the healing of the blind man in uh, John chapter 9. So how do we interpret John 10.10 in the story of the healing of the blind man? If we remember back a few weeks ago, we did look at this passage. There was a man begging for his next meal. A man constantly exposed to the elements. A man without any sense of community. Alone, fending for himself. And when Jesus interrupts his life by grace, when Jesus comes and brings life in its fullness to the man who was born blind, he does more than restore his sight. He gives this blind man who's suddenly healed and thrown out of the community. He's been out of the community really on the margins because he's been a blind person. Now he's out in the margins because this guy that we're not too sure about, the religious leaders are a bit suspicious of, has healed him. So what does Jesus bring to him? He comes back and he meets him and he gives him all that a shepherd would give one of his sheep. Protection, provision, presence. The thieves exclude him. The religious leaders exclude him. And sometimes we've got to stop there for a little aside and say that sometimes the struggle of the dialogue to be theologically right can get us all wrong. The dialogue to be theologically right for the Pharisees in John 9 well, it couldn't have been done. Was it done the Sabbath? How did he do it? All of this can't really have happened. Should it have happened? No, it couldn't because the law, the law, the right, this is right. This has to be wrong. And trying to be so theologically right and correct, they excluded someone that God had just brought grace into the life of. This happened to me a couple of times in recent weeks. I was speaking at a <clears throat> peace group in Lisbon and someone, a colleague in the ministry came up to me after it and I was talking about peacemaking and reconciliation. I was talking about the ministry of Fitzroy as well as moving into Four Corners. So the Fitzroy Clonard Fellowship and the Four Corners Festival, I was talking about this kind of stuff and I was asking a question <clears throat> from a very basic and I've said this to you before, so they were getting the repeats. Jesus so clearly says, love your enemies. And we so clearly live in a divided society, so it is a no-brainer to know what to do with those that are the other in our society here. And then I went on to say that really, if you took that seriously, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, and all that stuff that um, uh, Luke <coughs> records Jesus saying, in that particular sermon in Luke chapter 6, if you took all those things seriously, why on earth is there not a Father Jerry 
and Ken Yule and a Father Martin and Steve Stockman in every 500 yards of space in the island. Because I'm sure we can all find a Catholic church nearby where we could befriend our Catholic brother or sister even. And so we share all this and this colleague came up after it very um, uh, serious and really I think challenged by what we were talking about and we talked about reaching out and we talked about the fear that that is sometimes in Presbyterianism and we talked about all those things and then finally he said but you're really endorsing all the heresies of Catholicism if you befriend a Catholic priest and you can see it happening in all these discussions it's why we don't have one in every 500 yards that in the struggle to be theologically right We have made conundrums about being right that actually stops us from doing the right thing. I don't endorse any teaching of the Catholic Church by being a good friend of Father Martin McGill. Nor do I by getting up and speaking at a novena. In fact, I tell them at the novenas that I speak at that I find some of the prayers more than dodgy that they pray during the novena. Father Jerry and I had long discussions about the Mass and communion. And should we all take it or should we not take it and all those kinds of theological things. We had differences about it. We weren't endorsing each other's beliefs. We were just crossing the boundaries into friendship and reconciliation and peacemaking and not worrying about having to be completely right or them to be completely right before we do that. Just in the welcome area, um, there was a conference recently, sort of 20-somethings, young Presbyterians, and um, the welcome area was filled one Saturday afternoon as I shared almost the same story. And one guy came up to me after it, and again, you could see that he knows that peacemaking is important, love your enemies is important, but he said, but how do you deal with justification by faith when you have this friendship with a priest? And again, trying to be theologically correct is preventing him from reaching out across the boundaries. The technicalities of being theologically correct can cause us to miss the good that God would call us to do. That's what happens in John chapter 9. That's those who would come to kill and steal and destroy the blind man. But Jesus... Jesus is a shepherd and he hears the shepherd's voice and he heads towards protection, provision and presence. And I wonder today, and I know the sheep illustration is really important in the scriptures, um, you can see it throughout the scriptures, but I couldn't help but wonder, <clears throat> was, was Jesus playing a wee bit to the Pharisees on, oh look at these dumb people following me. Well the dumb sheep hear the shepherd's voice. The dumb sheep that we we always think, sheep, not that clever. In this story, they're the clever ones because they hear the shepherd's voice and they follow the shepherd into protection, provision, and the presence of God. 10-10, the blind man go. Life in all its fullness is where Jesus comes to almost the center of this entire gospel. 
Verse 11, just as a throwaway, is quite a key verse as well. Because the shepherd, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. Which is why we can go through the gate. Why we can have this relationship. Why we can have this protection and provision and presence. But let's get back to 10.10. What did that look like in the blind man's life? And what does that look like in our life? In the world that we live in, we live in the world, the era of the spectacular. And so I can imagine somebody trying to advertise 10.10 life in all its fullness. And I could see things that frighten the life out of me. Because my brain is very clearly attached to my nervous system. And therefore I don't like bungee jumping. But 10-10. Live the 10-10 life for Jesus. And there's somebody doing a wee bit of bungee jumping. You can see them jumping off table mountains, cable car. As some girl told me once she had. I was nervously in the middle of the cable car. Because I couldn't look out the side because of my vertigo. I was hanging on to both barriers and we got up to the place where you're nearly at the top of the mountain and it's going up vertically and I'm about to throw up and she says, this is where I bungee jumped out. <laughs> Spectacular, 10-10. Or a motorbike going over 25 or 35 buses. Or maybe even 10-10, a poolside holiday in Hawaii in the most expensive hotel in the world. In the world of the spectacular that we live in, it's all about the thrill, it's all about success, it's all about wealth, it's all about carefree happiness, 21st century spectacular. But actually, if we read 10.10 in the context of John 9, it's not that spectacular at all. The blind man doesn't do any bungee jumping after it or grab a motorbike to jump over a few buses or get to the poolside holiday somewhere along the coast. What he gets is very simple. Provision, protection, and presence. He comes in and he goes out and he finds pasture. He has protection from the thieves that steal and kill and destroy. He is then sent out into the pasture of the day. And he is the presence of the shepherd leading him throughout. There's nothing, nothing, nothing very spectacular about it. But for the blind man in the context of his day, this is the life that he was born to be redeemed to live. I came across a poem by Naomi Shihab Ni. A friend of mine's been trying to get me to read her poetry for ages. And I haven't, and then Anne Lamott puts this at the start of her brand new book, Hallelujah Anyway. And I was taken by it. Let me read it to you, and then let me tell you why I was taken by it in the context of John 10, in the context of John 9. The river is famous to the fish. The loud voice is famous to silence, which knew it would inherit the earth before anybody said so. The cat sleeping on the fence is famous to the birds watching him from the birdhouse. The tear is famous briefly to the cheek. The idea you carry close to your bosom is famous to your bosom. The boot is famous to the earth, more famous than a dress shoe, which is famous only to floors. The bent photograph is famous to the ones who carry it. And not at all famous 
to the one who is pictured. I want to be famous to shuffling men who smile while crossing streets, sticky children in grocery lines, famous as the one who smiled back. I want to be famous in the way a pulley is famous or a buttonhole, not because it did anything spectacular, but because it never forgot what it could do. I love it. And as I read it, I saw your faces. I know you don't think that. You think I saw everybody else's face. But I'll assure you, when I put my brain into it, I see you all sitting in your pews. And I've said to you before, don't move because when you move, I get confused. I thought of you all. And I imagine that some of you sometimes were going, this 1010 you talk about, Steve, that's not for me. But it is. It is. Because the 1010 that Jesus gave to the man who was born blind and the 1010 that Jesus gives to all of us is the way of the pulley or the buttonhole. Not because we do spectacular things, but because we never forget what we could do. Because we never forget what we could do. As you came into church this morning, what is it you bring with you? As we said in our uh, reading prayer at the start and David's wonderful hymn, we leave the labels of who we are outside, where everybody's equal in here. In the presence of God, we're not doctors or professors or unemployed or whatever. We're all just children of God right at this moment in time. We've left all our labels out there. And in this community where the provision, where the protection and the presence of God comes, all of us come to him equally. We're not fighting for our place. By grace we're all loved. But what is it that stops us from being the buttonhole or the pulley? Just remembering what it is we're here for, and just doing that. Is it the pressures of the world? Is it a pastoral issue? Is it a theological doubt? Is it just the pressures that are going on in the family or in your life right at this moment in time? Jesus wants to be a shepherd that leads us into protection when we need it, takes us out into pasture when we need it, And as a presence for us to listen to in whatever our situation is. Because whoever you are, can I, with the power of the scriptures of God, say that this week you can live John 10 and 10. Might not be famous. You might not be in the TV. There might not be an ad for how you live it. But the scriptures tell us That Jesus came and the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep so that all of us could be the buttonhole or the pulley. All of us could do what we're called to do. Which is why Fitzroy's session is divided into 1010 spiritual formation, 1010 mission, 1010 worship and 1010 pastoral care. Because what we want to do as a community is we want to and we're still getting there and we're still a long way off is to be a community that allows 
every one of us as individuals, to find out what it is that's blocking us from being the buttonhole, from being the pulley, from being the life in all its fullness person that we're meant to be. So spiritual formation will help us to understand the scriptures that might help us do that. Or might deal with some of the questions of our day in some of the series we've had in the evenings. Pastoral care might look at how we come and pray through some of the issues that are stopping you from being 1010. Worship will try to work out how we can have an hour on a Sunday morning that will inspire us and will enthuse us and will allow us to put ourselves in that place where we see who we are in the presence of God and our place in the universe as a buttonhole. Ten Ten Mission will fill us up and send us out, but I don't want to, well, I will do David's, in order that our society might find its ten tenness. The streets around us might find their ten tenness, just the way Jesus went up to a man born blind and gave him his ten tenness. That's what it's about. That's what we should be about. There's all kinds of things that stop us and steal and kill and destroy us. But we're not talking the spectacular. I want to be famous in the way a pulley is famous or a buttonhole. Not because it did anything spectacular. But because it never forgot what it could do. It never forgot what it was made to do. It never forgot what Jesus redeemed it to do. Let's pray. Lord, we sit in a world of the spectacular. And when we come to think about life in all its fullness, and we look at our own lives, we see that we feel a long way short in the context of 21st century spectacular. And yet you call us, you call us to be famous in the way that a pulley is famous or a buttonhole, not because they do spectacular things, but because they never forgot what it is that they could do. Lord, make us a congregation and a community that helps each one of us to do what we can do, to live 1010 as the shepherd calls us to. And Lord, send us out. Know us and love us and fill us and send us. Because there are many in our world today, like the man born blind, who need your grace to interrupt and bring them this life in all its fullness. May we be those who share this truth with others. In Jesus' name, amen.